I made this in my bathtub. Have you ever actually made like wine or microbrew or anything like that? Uh, yes. Uh, I, I made, I mean, I mean, I used to make, I made wine. We had to sprinkle the yeast because that's the legal requirement. They're not allowed to do that for you. Um, I have made beer though, uh, in, in concert with my father-in-law. It was terrible. It was maybe yeah. the worst beer I've ever had in my life, but it was cheap. <laughs> it's such a popular little kind of like side hobby thing now. I'm not a beer drinker, but I'm interested in the chemistry. I've always thought about trying it out. Um, it's definitely it's on the on the list for me. I actually have most of the stuff that I need to make beer, uh, yeah. and once we move, I'll have space as well. Uh, it's a little difficult to do in an apartment. I'm sure it's possible. Like if uh, you know, if anyone was actually listening to this, I'm sure they'd they'd hop in the comments and go, "Oh, you can totally do it." Here's a link to my setup, and that'd be cool. But yeah. Hasn't hasn't yeah been. the um uh the penny arcade guys well one of them uh sort of spun off the acquisitions incorporated D and D stuff to run a stream called Acquisitions Intoxicated <laughs> that I watched a little bit and like they're making sort of D and D and fantasy themed stuff and I mean most of it looked like you could chew on it ah but... <laughs> uh, it's probably a little thick yeah interesting process though. I'd yeah. like to try it, even if I don't like the end result, just to say I've done it. Yeah, it could. It can get a little bit tricky. It's it, because you're basically it's like sourdough, right? I mean, it either works mm. out or it doesn't. And you can't really look and go, did I get did I get the right yeast or have I got the wrong yeast? Yeah. And that's I think why I'm interested in it is the nerdy aspect of it, right? Like the yeah. the chemistry, the biology, the. The science, and it is really a science, or it can be. It's also an art. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd really like to make. Um, and there's there's actually a, a, a urban garden uh, around the corner from us that that sparked this idea. Although they'd probably be horrified to hear it, because um, it's basically like she's taken her front yard and she's like grown up all this amazing stuff. And every Thursday, she sort of has a like a, a sale. Mm -hmm. Um, and I went today and bought sourdough bread and it was the sourdough bread that sort of kicked this off in my brain is that I would like to make traditional beer, which is like nothing at all like the beer we have. It literally, you could chew on it. It's basically like, Ooh, I left the oatmeal out in the sun too long kind of beer. Um, but the sourdough got me thinking about it, but, uh, the urban garden around the corner, like literally I, the, she opens at four. I was there at 10 to four and I was number 10 in line. Mm -hmm. And by the time she opened, the, the lineup was down the street. So I'm, if you're looking for a business I... idea, start an urban garden. Yeah. Where uh, my daughter and, and granddaughter live uh, down in Illinois, uh, they have a meadery that I've been meaning to check out. Oh, Again, I'm not, you know, I'm, I've had some meads and I actually like some of the some of like a honey mead or something like that. I'm like, actually, you know what? That is quite tasty. I think that's the um, definition of I... mead is that it's yeah. made from honey. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe <laughs> I really don't know how it's made, but <laughs> those that I sampled were, were, were tasty and I'd like to, to try it out. Yeah. There's two different, uh, this is, I, I had a buddy who was a kind of a, a nerdy mead guy. 
Um, and there's two different kinds of meads. There's sort of like a, a beery type mead, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a, a more one that's made more like a wine or a liqueur, um, which can get quite potent. So I mean, they're significantly different, but I mean, like if you're, you can make a mead that tastes an awful lot like cider. You would probably enjoy yeah. it. We'll have to do a live show from a meadery or something. Sure. Yeah. Just find one that'll sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been up to? Oh, uh, I went golfing for the first time in a week and I remembered, uh, why I took a week off because now everything hurts. Uh, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, like just, just working in that playing a a few really, really old video games. What about you? What's your week been like? Uh, sort of a, a rush to the finish, but I am now officially on vacation until, I don't know, July 5th or whatever that Monday is. So staycation oh. yeah wow don't have anything planned we're gonna probably road trip a couple of days maybe hit up kingston do like a, a food pub crawl or something but other than that it's mostly r and r um we've spent most of our time off since our granddaughter was born kind of rushing down driving down to illinois and trying to spend time with them and drive back and you get a whole lot of family locked in a house together it's not a vacation oh no i love my family but yeah i never come out of that feeling refreshed relaxed no so this is probably the first week off in maybe four years or so where we're just we're taking time off we're gonna go down there in the fall still but we're not not going to uh do it this time around and i can tell you i'm I'm going to do absolutely nothing, and I'm hoping that it's everything that I think it could be. My my favorite kinds of vacations are the ones where I never put my shoes on. Yeah, like I, you know, I, and I say that, and it's funny, but like I get bored pretty quickly too. Like yeah. I, I can do like two days of absolutely nothing, and that's like okay, now I'm, I'm getting antsy, getting, getting shifty. Do something. Yep. Well, that's when you sit down and write the great Canadian novel. (laughs) It's true. Also, uh, have you started watching Witcher? The season three came out yesterday, the first five episodes? No, assuming that that's on Netflix. No, Netflix is is on vacation in my house or on hiatus. It's in the, in the, the bad boy corner. You can download it. Well, that would be illegal. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, but uh, we we typically do like sort of you know like grab a streaming service for a while, binge the stuff we want, shut it off. So it'll likely get turned on in the fall. Well, I'm. I don't know what to think of it yet. We've only watched three of the five episodes that are out. It's kind of all over the place. Like I'm enjoying it, but it's like. Did you watch m- most of Game of Thrones? No, I watched uh, season one. I have read the books that he finished, though. Um, okay, all, all of so which... the book the books apply where where yeah, I mean George R. R. Martin is a classic sort of plotter versus pantser kind of approach to writing, and especially in his last books, where every chapter has point of view character, and it's like, oh, 
four and a half books in and I've got a new point of view character and I just got to keep going back to him and yep. everything gets bigger and I weirder. Mean, it's, it's yeah. That's kind of what so far the first three episodes feel like, like they're, they're just bouncing around so much now. And while they hinted at some stuff like, Ooh, the wild hunt, it's not, you know, it's just kind of coming out of nowhere in this show. And I know about them because I've, I've read some of the books. I've played the game. I even watched the prequel series. So I know how that's sort of connected. But for somebody that just watches The Witcher, it's like, oh, it's the guys from Lord of the Rings. The, the wraiths are here. Yeah, Why? I mean, it's a fairly common trope in a lot of fantasy stuff or or even in some like actual mythologies. But still, there's there's a there's a prevalence of things in, in movies and TV shows where it has to always be bigger. Right. Like we're going to finish this off by shooting a laser into space. OK, well, now we have another movie. It's going to end again by shooting a laser into space, but it has to be a bigger laser and it has to blow up a bigger thing. And then you get to like, you know, the third movie and now it's, you know, like a giant green space laser that intersects with mm-hmm. a blue space laser to blow up a yellow space laser planet space station. I don't yeah. Know. And I think that's why I'm mostly done with the Marvel stuff. Um, you know, the one thing I will say is there's been a couple of instances with your more talented directors and writers uh, like for instance, the most recent Guardians of the Galaxy movie, where it's like they found a way to make a smaller story. Uh, the new TV show with um, uh, Samuel L. Jackson. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. I haven't started watching it yet. That's probably on the list for this weekend. It's a very smaller story. Like it's a bigger story and they're they're telling a smaller slice of it. I mean, we've watched like two or three episodes of it. Mm hmm. Well, I guess it's only one episode because it's it's it just started, um, uh, and I will I will not spoil it for you. But it's there's there's a like a a big thing that happens in episode one. Yeah, yeah. You will be like, <gasps> you don't have to give me details, but is it the oh this person was a scroll all along kind of thing? Uh no, that actually happens in the first scene. Okay. <laughs> Because, like, I know they've been there's been fan theory about you know who's it going to be one of the you know well it won't be one of the main ones well maybe it will be one of the main ones it's probably Rhodey isn't it it's probably a side one nobody really gives a shit about eh, maybe but anyway oh, I'm, yeah I'm we're gonna get into it this week yeah it's it was good I en- I enjoyed it a bunch I mean anything with with Samuel L Jackson even the terrible movies that he's in he's you know he's still entertaining to watch. Has he? Uh, and we're going to ignore Star Wars. Has he been in a lot of terrible movies? He's been in some stinkers. Yeah. I mean, Deep Blue Sea was probably the best of the stinkers. Mm-hmm. We we made their brains bigger, and as a side effect, they got smarter. Oh, is that the one where like the the shark jumps out of the like yep. moon pool in the bottom of a thing and eats him or something? <laughs> yep. What we're gonna do is we're gonna pull together, and I, every single one of you motherfuckers is gonna pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and we're just gonna get stuff done. Chomp. So, <laughs> is that a stinker bad movie, or is that a movie that just knew what it was and leaned into it? Like, is it Snakes on a Plane kind of? Ah, uh, it never wasn't Snakes on a Plane, but. Uh, you should watch Snakes on a Plane. It's yeah. it it knows exactly what it is, 
and it just leans into it hard. Uh, Deep Blue Sea, I think they tried to make, I think they tried to make it slyly bad in a way that it was good. And it was entertaining enough. Like it was, it was the very, very weakest of popcorn movies. I guess it would have been before the like Sharknado phenomenon and stuff where like intentionally doing it like this was, was the joke. Yeah. I don't really enjoy those jokes most of the time. Most of the time it's like, this is, this is just bad. Just, just bad. And you know, even I don't, I've never actually seen uh, Samuel L. Jackson in a movie that was bad. Um, I, I'm, I know that there have been some because I've read about them, but I, I think th- like there's this weird thing where somebody will just give him a script and he'll go, yeah, right. Why not? I'll go do it. You know, so he ends up in some movies that are as not ideal. As long as he gets to be Samuel L. Jackson on screen, like yep. he's one of those actors that the rest of the movie can be bad. Don't care. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Exactly. Speaking of movies that could be bad, I think I'm going to go watch Indiana Jones this uh, this weekend too. I mean, I I have some hopes for it. There was one quote that I saw of Harrison Ford's, which was, "Stop trying to make me look good. I'm an old man. Let me be an old man." And if they did, it might be okay. Yeah. I'm hoping that they don't overcorrect, and this is what my fear: they're going to overcorrect yeah. from Crystal Skull. And just make it an absolute joyless slog. Mm. I I do hope though that he gets to do something besides punch Nazis. I watched I forget who it might have been H bomber guy talk about. Um, no, it was the Red Letter Media guys talking. Red Letter about, Media just did. Uh, they just did the on... Temple of Doom. Yep. Which I, like I really enjoyed Temple of Doom, and I didn't really understand why until they talked about it, and then suddenly it was like, oh, okay, yeah, it was different. So I've... I have a question about that. They really presented it, and I was a little bit young, of course, when Temple of Doom first came out, but I, you know, I was in nerd culture from then on. Did the movie really get the amount of hate that that suggests that it got? Like, I, I get that not everybody liked the the Willie character, but yeah, and is it I just think... oh they got sort of annoying damsel in distress and? I think I think the amount of hate that it got probably started around the advent of the internet because that was before you know the internet was was the World Wide Web Information Superhighway 2.0 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was like so it would have it would have gotten poor reviews. Um, I don't like there wasn't as much discussion about things sort of in a broader sense, mm-hmm. or at least that like, I remember, you know, the one, the one gripe that I know a lot of people have about it is that it was a little bit darker, even despite the PG rating. But I'm thinking like this came out after empire, right? Yes. Just, or just like before. That would, that would have been a selling feature in the context of that, you know, with yep. as amazing as empire was like, yep. Oh, this looks a little bit dark. What? And I like it wasn't super dark. I mean, like there were definitely dark themes, but there was lots of lots of lighter moments. Like I remember seeing it as, I mean, when did it come out? Eighty two, eighty four, something like that. 
Yeah, it was in, in the mid-80s. Early 80s. This last crusade was, what, like 89 or something like that? Something like that. Um, yeah. So I would have been just around 10, right, like 9 or 10. And I remember going to see it and thinking, yeah, this was a fun movie. Yeah. Right. There's now, some... Caveat, I'm, I'm overlooking the obvious racism here. Okay, we can all agree. Oh, yes. There's the... a lot of that. Not great, but, you know, oh my God, looking yeah. past that, there was a, a good movie there still. The I, I I prefer to see it as rather than here is a horrible depiction of uh, sort of Indian culture, more a here is a statement of how ignorant most of the Western world is about the culture of India. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you, it's like it's a caricature and it's it's ridiculous. Right. The other thing to to sort of like I don't I don't want to forgive that because it, it is obviously sort of wrong and bad. At the same time, it's like this is not the culture of India. This is the culture of this particular weirdo cult thing that happens to mm-hmm. exist in India. Right. Even even like the the, the scene in Pancot Palace where there's like all of the food that comes yeah, out, yeah. like sheep's eyeballs and all that's yeah, that that's not like this is what India is like. That's this is what this weirdo cult is like. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's maybe why I like overlooked it. Yeah. I don't know. And you I know, might be completely said that, wrong. Like the you know, the the opening scene from the movie too. Yeah. Isn't great. No. No. <laughs> like, it's a great scene, but like in terms of, of, of the portrayal of uh, certain cultures it was probably oh, a little bit cartoonish no, too but terrible. it's indiana jones you gotta expect cartoonish yeah like, you know the everybody loved raiders and the nazis were cartoonish yep. and like i i know it's cool to let nazis be the exception when it comes to acceptable racism and 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 shit and I'm I'm not going to argue in favor of one or the other kind of thing. Nazis are nope. very very bad, but if you're going to portray one cartoonishly, uh, you probably got to cut them a little bit of slack when they portray somebody else cartoonishly too. I mean, let's let's have a look at how they portray the average American as well. I mean, it's also just as cartoonish. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like that's, and I think that's part of the the, the movie's charm. Like. It's like Indiana Jones is packing an overnight bag for just a regular trip to somewhere, and in goes the gun. <laughs> yeah. And he's just going to take it on the plane. I mean, it's well, no big deal, right? Yeah, or even, you know, the the, the guys uh, that in Raiders that hook up with them at the university, you know, top men guys. Oh, yeah, top men. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, also <laughs> very, very cartoonish. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's let's be the, the the movie ends with a bunch of faces literally melting. Pretty yeah. sure that pretty sure this is not real life. Ah. <laughs> uh... All right, so we've got a new segment that we want to try. Um, we hinted at it uh, last week while talking about some old video games that we were going to try to play. Uh, before this episode uh emphasis is going to be on the try oh yeah i used to be an adventurer like you 
while and listen. All right, we're going to call this something. Today we're going to call it Retro Replay, but that's a, like a name everybody uses and I'm unoriginal and a hack, so. Cyberpunk. <laughs> Until you come up with something better. Uh, that's what the segment is. Uh, we're going to review some some old and ancient video games, uh, discuss what it was like playing them, and, and maybe whether they hold up today. Uh, first one on the list was Lee Trevino's Fighting Golf. Okay. Now, did you ever? I was under the assumption that you'd played this game before. Um, I I may have. I I remember seeing Super Mechs somewhere, so I may have actually, and and Big Jumbo, so I may have at some point played it, but definitely not a lot of hours. Like it would have been the kind of thing where, cause I never had uh, a Nintendo entertainment system. Uh, okay. So I may have like gone to a buddy's house and played it once, but you spent hours playing it. Yeah. It was uh, one of the, probably the only game I think my dad video game that my dad would play with me uh, or had ever played with me. So I have fond memories of it. And I mean, I'm going back to what, 87, maybe when I was playing it with my dad. So a long time ago. And it's amazing how quickly it all came back to me. Not playing it, like I, I was ass, you know, it was just horrible. And I think playing it emulated with my totally legal and legit ROM that I dumped from my own cartridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think emulating it probably lent to some of the the sort of finicky timing that I felt. Like for a three click swing kind of golf game, nailing that that stop point so I wasn't, you know, jumbo <clears throat> shrimping it one way or the other was a bit of a challenge for me. Um, and I don't remember it being that finicky when I played it six oh, it million was years hard. ago. It was hard. I mean, I've played a lot of golf games, uh, a lot of golf games. I, I just, I have to say, to start off, like, I have to say, this is the internet, so this game is literally the worst thing ever. That's that's my official statement. But or if you prefer prefer the best game ever made, one of the yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. There's is nowhere in between. Uh, but I I had I I played. I mean I. I fiddled with things and pushed buttons because of course the instructions were complete and uh, easily obtainable. And I just happened to have, you know, a super Nintendo controller that I've adapted to plug into the USB port of my computer. So I knew exactly what all the buttons were and controls and whatnot, how to aim and all of that. So I played the first, the first couple of days I like played one or two holes and went like, I, I just can't like, this is too much. Right, the timing was first of all. I was starting off with Big Jumbo, who apparently has like the tightest timing requirements of all of them, and I couldn't even get the ball off the ground. It was, it was like playing real golf with old wooden clubs. It was like doink, 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 off. Um, towards Did the end of the week, to, though, to Max. No, I actually switched to um, I forget her name, Sweet Sweet Amy? Billy or Amy. Amy, something Amy, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because apparently her her timing is the most forgiving, at least a distance. But that's that's fine. I can deal mm. with that. But I played I played eighteen holes. Uh, I shot twenty four over par. I think I did not hit a fairway. Not one. 
Not a single fairway was hit. And I'm looking at this and going, you know, like I, I literally play golf in real life. It's, it's my hobby. I, I mean, I went out today and I'm not a great golfer, right? Like I have a, a my handicap now is down to 17. Uh, and of the 18 holes that I played, there's two par threes uh, and it's a nine holes. We play it twice. So there's, there's four, there's 14 fairways that I could possibly hit. Mm-hmm. And I hit 10 of them. So, I mean, like not hitting a single fairway is not realistic. Like those fairways are tiny, tiny, tiny. And like, it's, you've missed the fairway by an inch. You're in super rough. Yeah. Like, how do I hit out of here? I don't know. And that was, uh, so I got to give the game credit because I think it's probably the first golf game chronologically that I've experienced, like going back and playing some of the old ones that understanding the limitations of the, the console that it was designed for tried to almost create like a television production style kind of experience where you've got this little map down on the left side, this kind of overhead view of a golf course, which like that's pretty much all golf games used to be before this game, at least the, the older ones that I've tried. Then you've got this other view that is your sort of realistic view of the golf course, which is absolutely not realistic in any way. Like it's, it's almost like playing some of those old dungeon crawlers where like, you know, you can turn four cardinal directions and, and the view changes. And as you move your uh, little aiming reticle around, you'll get so far and then your entire view will change. Uh, And the important thing about that view is that everything is inaccurate. So like you'll hit it, you'll be looking at it as your ball's moving and your ball stops. And it's like, I'm on the fairway. That view shows I'm on the fairway. Now the little map shows that I'm on the edge, Mm -hmm. but that view says I'm like four feet, you know, inside the edge of the fairway. And then it's like super rough. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, what? Yeah. So that view, like you, you, you can't look at that view like you would a modern golf game. And as like, that's for establishing kind of look, feel, and tone and making the game feel a little bit more cinematic than golf games at the time did. And I think that was the frustration of my dad playing the game way back when. I remember him getting so incredibly angry when he would be on the fairway or at least not out of bounds yeah, based on that view. And the game was arguing with him, telling him, no, you're in the water, man, or whatever. <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. And like hitting out of the sand or the rough is just, where's it going to go? I don't know. It's random. Right. Which probably feels yeah. realistic to the largest percentage of people who have ever actually played golf, but not like gotten lessons, taken it seriously, done a bunch of practicing. Cause that's, that's how golf is. Golf is hard. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, understanding, like, I don't know if they made it for golfers no. that game. Because if they didn't make it for golfers, you would have thought they would have included some basic quality of life stuff to improve the experience for non-golfers. And I'm not stuff that would like provide significant technical limitations, but you know how every basic golf game, even if it's arcadey, you know, not even a simulator, when you have a, gl- a club selected, it tells you what the approximate sort of full power distance on that, that yes. club is so that you can gauge, well, if, if, if I'm, 
if it's defaulting to a, a, a three iron and I'm X yards from the hole and I'm shooting Y yards with this, this iron, I know, okay, I need to go about 75% or 50% or, or whatever. Something, anything. It lacks that. So yes. like, is the assumed knowledge. Now I, I, I don't have a paper copy of the manual that would have come with the game, but I did flip through a couple of online ones and I didn't yeah. see in what I saw anything that was like a chart that you could have looked at in the paper manual to suggest that information was there. So that's why it's like, oh, did you make the game for golfers who know, like, you know, what the distance a driver should go? Oh, no, 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 no. No, they didn't. No, No. and even if they did, here's the thing, is that, like, at my club, I'm kind of a a big-ish hitter of the golf ball. Like, I hit the ball farther than average, right? And my, like, I hit a driver, if I hit it well, like, 250 yards after it rolls out. Um, which is less than I used to because I'm older and fatter. But I mean, you look at like the the professionals on the tour are hitting it like 340, 380, right? Like that used to be long drive distances. And back in the time when this uh, game came in, and most of the guys that I play with hit their driver like 200. Mm-hmm. Um, so even among golfers, like the the distance a driver should go it has it's it's a like that's a statement that just makes me go, you're not really a golfer because every mm-hmm. golfer knows like your driver goes a certain distance with your swing and your particular game. Someone else can be completely different. Mm-hmm. But in the context of video games, at least. Absolutely. There should be some yeah. sort of range. Yes, absolutely. And here's the thing is that even like modern simulation type golf games have that information for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, here's what your golf swing does. I think probably what they were thinking is that you're going it, to it's it, it's a little bit like an adventure game. Right. Where in the olden days, they didn't give you here's your quest log of the quests you're working on. You're supposed mm-hmm. to have a notebook beside your computer where you make notes. Right. Where you go, oh, hey, OK, I hit this like, you know, 70 percent and it went this far and I hit it out of the rough and it goes this far. Right. And you have this this sort of notes this this handbook like a like a sniper Mm -hmm. would have of every shot that has ever been fired to say like oh my pitching wedge is going to go 121 yards in these conditions with this wind but a 1987 video game sold on a nintendo like understanding that it was snk so it would have been made in japan first and then released here like i know they went on to make sort of a spiritual successor to this game in a lot of ways. Ah, oh, man, I can't remember the name of it now. It had a funky name. Uh, it was a Neo Geo sort of arcade golf game anyway, and it was like heralded for a lot of years as like the golf game to play before, huh. you know, modern stuff like you know, Tiger Woods PGA series and, and that kind of thing. Um God, I can't remember the name. It was like Super Turf something, or uh, anyway. I think it had one, one name in Japan, about. and then it was like, then it was like Power something in the the North American release, like Power Golf something something. Anyway, doesn't matter. Still hmm. a fun game. I enjoyed what little time I spent. I did uh, complete uh, eighteen. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I was plus. 30 up with two birdies. 
Yep. That you know what? That it was an awful lot. My, the round that I played today is the, my first nine. I had two birdies and I shot forty-two. Yeah. And on the back nine, I had no birdies and I shot forty-three. <laughs> it just tells you what the rest of the thing was was like. I did not make a birdie. I missed so many birdies in this uh, go through. This is the kind of game where like it it really it falls into a, a space in between because it really seems like the kind of thing that if you want to get good at it, you're going to have to practice, get accustomed to a specific character and how they react. You're going to have to make notes about how far things go and like power curves and stuff, which would probably be a whole lot easier just to like data mine out of the game. But at the same time, it's not the kind of game that I would like to sit down at and go, okay, I'm really going to get grind and get good at this game. Right. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of thing that, I think that we golf did a whole bunch better. Here's something that you can just, you know, sit down and play for a bit and it's loads of fun. And if you do well, great. And if you do badly, that's the, whatever, who cares? Right. But you can't do that with this game. No. And I would actually say just a couple of years later, uh, Nintendo, uh, did much better with a, uh, game Boy golf game yeah. that I played the absolute living shit out as a kid. <sighs> if you're going to play here's, golf, here's the funny thing. Sure. This game is like 15 years older than the next game that we're going to talk about. And here's what I'm going to say about Lee Trevino's fighting golf. I think it holds up better in 2023. Ah, uh, yeah. For me. You know what? I, I would you know what I would agree. I have not ever played all the way through Fallout and I still haven't. I got to like the first <laughs> town and I'm like, I remember why I put this game down the last time. Yeah, and so let's talk Fallout. <sighs> first of all, how long did it take you? to get things set up now i'm gonna i'm saying this knowing that you also play on an ultra wide <laughs> like how long did it take you to get to the point where you could see anything that was happening there's a scaling option in the options for the ui to like increase the scale um i was... i didn't turn it on by oh. default, and you can't get back to that oh. setting within the game no so you have was, to exit yeah I, I exited a few times. It probably took me 20 minutes, honestly, to set up the game in such a way that I could actually play it. Uh, and even this... then, I, I it's it has all of the punitive stuff of old school RPGs. You have to read everything. The dialogue is stilted and weird. The gameplay sucks. Here's the thing, though, is if, if you could put together, and I'm sure it exists on YouTube because everything's on YouTube, if you could put together like all of the cutscenes in that mm -hmm. game, those are brilliant. Those are amazing. Now, I have to preface this with I never got into the Western style of RPGs in that era. Um, a few of them I've tried and like managed to find some fun in back in the day. Like first Baldur's Gate, even trying to replay it, I couldn't get back into oh, it. No. I did enjoy a little bit of Icewind Dale. 
so but again, hard. similar, similar, similar type thing. You must gather your party before venturing forth. And it isn't that I just hate the isometric thing, because like there's ISO games and other genres that I'm quite fine with. And, you know, I was, I was a big fan of Diablo 2, more of an action RPG. Oh, my God. And it wasn't that it was turn based. Everything is just so unbearably slow. Yes. You know, it's like, you know, when you'd have a game way back in the day and it's like, you know, hey, this game, minimum specs, 486DX66. And you're like, okay, well, I'm going to play it on my 386 and see what happens. Yeah. It loaded, but like everything is based around like, you know, timing for the whole game is based around the clock speed of your chip. And when you play it and it's like, it's loading and then you go to do something and then you sit back, make yourself a sandwich while it's doing whatever it is. That's just walking in fallout one was excruciating getting from point A to point B getting to the edge of the screen. That whole experience of like, okay, it's a game that like, understanding this is a first fallout game so you don't have much unless like there was some non-video game material around it like you don't have much about the context of the world it's just like hey you're in a vault and this thing for our water thing is is broken go find one the manual for the original fallout was awesome was it it was yeah it was like it was like a little uh, a little short story, comic booky thing. It was. I remember it being really great. Um, okay. And it explained a whole like, ton about like bottle caps and how things work and all that kind of stuff. Okay, it would have to because I understand, you know, the the context of the Fallout world from a million years later because we've had enough of those games and even though they haven't really been my thing, I get it. Like even as an outsider, right? Like I get it. But to just be kind of thrown into that now, you know, there's something to be said for trusting your audience and and letting them kind of figure it out. But like, oh, man, I've never begged for exposition so much in my life. It's uh, it's a weird position to be in. I find the and then it's like, oh, the game's happening. And then you walk out and it's like, oh, everything slowed right down because a rat. Oh, oh, another rat. Oh, another rat. I can see the rat. I would like to attack the rat. Can I attack the rat, please? No, you're too far away. Ah, so I think I only got like 45 minutes when I gave up because it was like I, I went to Vault 15. It's the first yeah. place you're sent to. You go in, you find the shack, you go down. Uh, there's really nothing you can do down there. You come back up. I was sort of exploring around it and I had a random encounter with, uh, what are they, rad scorpions and... yes. Um, I don't know, mole rats. Mole or rats. They yeah. Yeah. They were attacking each other. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to walk away. Oh, I can't walk away. There's an active encounter. Okay. But like, nobody's attacking me. They're just focused on each other. Nope. And it's like, okay, well, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll let them take each other out. And then I start paying attention. And it's like, oh no, these scorpions are taking no damage. Uh-huh. And the rats die, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should have been trying to kill the scorpions while they were focused on these big rat things. I go to attack, and it's like, oh, no, the scorpions really are like one damage. Miss, yep. miss, miss. 
obviously I was in a place I shouldn't be, but. Yeah. Signpost or something, please. Yeah. And I know your game a lot. Yeah. Like safe scumming is like, that's, that would be the solution to that problem. Because in my case it was like, Oh, I got to go to back and fight all those rats again. Yeah, and that's what made F- me put the me game. in the eye. I, uh, I'm going I... to play Lee Trevino's fighting golf. <laughs> you got farther into the game than I did because I got out of the rat place. I got to the first town. I accidentally said, "Hey, tell me how to get to the scorpion place," and he sent me. To oh, the I scorpion didn't even go to the place. town. I went. It's I a went ra- right you... to the map because because yeah, like, you don't. It, he says coming out of the vault, they put it on your map, and then you just have a thing that you can click on, yep. and your dude just walks to the map. So yes. I didn't go to any town. I was just Zip. no, and you don't. You don't. It's not like you go to a town. It's you have a random encounter yep. that isn't combat, and they say, "Hey, we're headed to town. Do you want to come with us?" And if you say yes, you're in oh. town. Yeah, I didn't get that. So I did that, and then like, which would have been first... great because I would have had you know something more than my my nope. knife nope. and nope. Nope. the nope. gun that nope. I picked up off of that body. Nope. No, oh, because man. because you get to town and like I say, like the very first thing he says is we're having a problem with rad scorpions. Like, okay, give me directions. Assuming he's going to make a mark on my map and I can go there later. Nope. He sends you to the rad scorpion place and you can't leave until you kill the rad scorpions. And there's yeah. like seven of them. So, and at that point it's like, I'd go back and kill rats. I'm done. So here's the thing. I mentioned that I, I never really got into this type of game. I've played modern games that try to not be these, right? So specifically, I'm going to think about Divinity uh, Original Sin 2. Haven't played there it. was a game that had a great story going on. I wanted to love it. And it's the same guys that are doing Baldur's Gate 3, which I really want to play and I really want to love it. So I can say, I love Baldur's Gate. Me, Big D&D fan, big game fan, big retro game fan. I want to love one of these games. And it's funny because like they hit a point where games that like had evolved to the point where I could play them. So I think Neverwinter Nights. I think Knights of the Old Republic. You know, they they had moved out of the the ISO uh, sort of overhead view, but I don't think that's the difference in, you know, why I liked or or disliked these games. It isn't that it's like turn-based because fuck, man, I love turn-based. Like my favorite JRPGs are like old school turn-based games. I like playing civilization, you know, it's, it isn't about the pace. It's not that I'm like, you know, corrupted by action RPGs. Final fantasy seven remake is an action RPG and I don't even want to play it because like, it should be turn-based. Yeah, that's I could is. not, could not. And oh my God, can we talk about the user interface on this game? It's a big thing. I mean, it's the elephant in the room. It's like if you right-click once, it's this. If if you right-click again, then your left-click I'm is not this. even hey, – you're, you're 19 miles ahead, man. I'm just wow. talking about loading the game. <laughs> First of all, and I know this was built in a in a – you know, at a time where like web wasn't a huge thing, but like you have a certain expectation when you see a button and you click on it, it should do something. 
You have but to they have the an light. entire interface. Yeah, they have an entire interface full of buttons that do nothing when you click on them. But you got to find this little circle on the left side or the right side of the button or in the middle yeah. of the button. And if you click on that, maybe it'll do something. Yeah, there's there's some major problems. I mean, the thing that okay. Let, attract- let me ask you this: Was your character name none? No, I did actually figure that out. Okay. Um, but. Yeah, I only figured it out. I only figured it out because I'd recently recalled that experience having watched the H Bomber guy video, oh, where he goes I, back and 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 mentions the the original oh, Fallout games when you because you, you you pick a character initially or you can customize that has a name, right? Yep. But then you get to your character uh, creator screen where you can spe- spec out some stuff, add some stats, some of the optional uh, traits, shit. But there's a little like little box at the top left. Yeah. Now, if if you're thinking of it like a Dungeons and Dragons character sheet, then maybe you know, but there's nothing saying you need to click there. And when you go to click next, it doesn't say, hey, pick a name. You just get it and your character name's none. None. I prefer to to be referred to as (laughs) Noné. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, oh my god and then just the whole uh, and again i know some of this is probably alleviated by reading the manual yeah but they create this nice sort of for its time isometric world around you and you have to spend 80 percent of the game looking at this itty bitty tiny square in the bottom left corner because absolutely everything important happens there you're interacting yeah. with an object. You're examining an object. You're just going to get itty bitty, like bring a magnifying glass. Because even when you you scale the the UI up, you still yeah, can't but, read any of it. Here's the thing, though, is that like the very first thing that I did, because I mean, yeah, mine is my my screen is is ultra wide. It's uh, twenty four thirty four forty by fourteen forty, and I started off at that resolution, and then I thought, okay, well, this is way too small. So I changed the resolution to whatever like regular 2K is. Still too much. I changed it to 1080, and even that's too big. Yeah, and I played it at 1080p, but there is that too scaling much. option. No, in the, don't. The... Right, and it doesn't work. The game is too old. You have to actually set it to 1024 by 768. Well, no, no, no. There, there is a scaling option not to scale the the the, the viewport shit to to scale the UI within it. I know, and it doesn't work right. But if you set your resolution well, to 1024 okay. by 768, you actually end up with the screen the way it's supposed to look. It's blurry yeah. as hell. Oh, <laughs> man. A, there is no good solution to this. Like, this game is just too damned old. Yeah. And, well, but there were, there were games from, like, I don't, I don't think I had to, okay. Baldur's Gate was a slog. A Never finished it. slog. But, I didn't have the tough onboarding experience with it. I just got bored. Yeah. You know? That's and that's the thing is that like the the Fallout game, like the story that happens in the game is so good. But the the fence that you have to climb over to get to it is too damned high. That's... And okay, you know I'm I'm a rotten spoiled shit now because like, huh? what a wealth of video game history we have to to lean on. At the time, games like this barely existed. 
Yeah. But I honestly not sure that I would have stuck with it even then. I didn't. I didn't. I played it when it first came out and I didn't even get past the rats. Cause it was just like here's here's the dilemma of video games, I think, in kind of a nutshell, is that when <laughs> I mean the fact that you're killing rats is is kind of a I mean it's kind of a trope now. Like you start off killing rats and mm-hmm. the rest of the game is just killing bigger and stronger rats. But the thing is, is that the whole the whole point of you've exited the vault and you're fighting rats is to get you accustomed to what is the UI? How do I fight? How do I move? How do I get into the flow of this thing? And the rats are too strong, right? Like you should you should roll over those rats, especially because there's like seven or eight of them that you have to kill, right? Like. Or if it's if you want it to be like so, there's a difficult balancing act. On the one hand, that has to be easy, right? Because mm-hmm. otherwise, the barrier of entry is just too too hard. But if they're too easy, then it's super boring. So like you almost kind of need a weak rat, a regular rat, a stronger rat, and then a super rat, right? And the super rat should be tough. But then, you know, I don't know if, if you're in danger, like the grizzled old outsider should show up with a rifle or shoot the rat and say, you got to be careful out here, kid, because, you know, these rats, they're dangerous or something. Yeah. But as it is, it's just this slog through the first seven or eight frickin rats. Yeah. And that like that honestly wasn't even my beef. Now, I was just playing it at the regular difficulty. Like I wasn't Me I too. wasn't in it for the challenge. Nope. But. My beef was just the, the like zero feedback. So, for instance, the action point system, right? Yeah. I click on on the only big button thing I can see on the screen, or I, I, I right click once, I right click again. Okay, now I can actually like target a rat. I click yep. on him, it does a thing. I click on him, it does a thing. I click on him again, and it says not enough action points. I click on him again, it says not enough action points. Like that's what all chat says. What do I do now? You know, at no point does it say, hey, click on the end turn button, idiot. It's a turn based game. Yeah. Yeah. The action point thing is a bit weird. Like the whole the whole setup is just very strange. I think Fallout 2 is probably better. Probably. Probably. But, you know, the point of this exercise wasn't to, to, you know, find the game that we really like. It was to like, hey, let's go back and try this old shit. And Lee Trevino's fighting golf, frustrating as it is, holds up. There's a game there. I felt like I was playing a game. I played Fallout and I felt like I was going to the dentist. (laughs) Well, to be fair, it is it is then a sort of realistic ish simulation of living in a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah. Like I got needles and awful. I got hooks in me. Shit's getting ripped out of my mouth and I'm, I'm just, you know, Hey doc, when's the fun going to (laughs) start? Well, judging by the dentist I go to after you pass out. And, and here's, here's the frustrating thing. I've seen enough as an outsider observing other people playing the game or, you know, seeing videos and stuff like there's stuff there that if I could just get to it, I know I'd fucking love Yeah, this world. I, I, you know what? It's such a great, great setting. 
Yes. And I would prefer to consume this world in a way that wasn't a shitty action RPG. Yep. But this ain't it, yo. This, I don't this know. Was... I don't know. Do we do it, do we give it a little bit more time? Because honestly, like speaking of games of of this kind of age, like like you were talking about Lee Trudino's fighting golf and how like you'd you'd rent it and you'd, you'd have it for sort of the weekend. Right. And that's that's the amount of play you got in it. So you would put like tons of time mm -hmm. into it. Right. In games of this age, like you wouldn't you wouldn't buy Fallout and go, well, I'm just I'm going to sort of dip my toe in and see what it's like. You're going to spend hours and hours trying to figure out and find out everything that you can about it and start the game like 17 times with 17 different character builds before you go, OK, this is the one I'm going to go through with. I don't know. Do we give it a little more time and, and try some more, or do we move on to something different? When when did Fallout 1 come out? What year? Do you remember? I don't remember, I but it would have been thing. early... Uh... Fallout Run release date. I know, this is absolutely engaging podcast. 1997. Yeah, that sounds about right. So I would have been not quite 17 years old at the time that this came out. Oh my god, I was an adult well you're you know ancient I'm, um, old. I'm not sure that i would have you know is as, as smart of a dude as i am you know as interested in figuring things out you know peeling back the veil and finding the mystery as i generally am i'm not sure that i could have done it back then i certainly can't do it today I'll, I'll go look at that YouTube supercut that's out there and, and watch it that way. Yeah. But what a shame that that's the only way that like I'll be able to... Now, okay, I know everybody in the comments is saying, hey, just play Fallout New Vegas. Yes, absolutely. Play yeah, Fallout New it. Vegas. It's awesome. Best game in the series. By far. Completely different game. Yes. You know, and... and well, that's that's the other sort of meta discussion to be had here is like, what is a game? Because the two games that we're looking at are both games, but oh my God, are they different, right? Mm -hmm. Lee Trevino's fighting golf, you push a button, hit start and start pushing buttons and doing things. Like Fallout, you need to read like a 30 page user manual and go to a three day seminar before you can start playing. And I like are both of those compelling gameplay? I, lots of people really enjoyed Fallout. So the the manual, because you've obviously had your hands on it. Hmm? Was there more information in that than say the Ontario Drivers Handbook? For well, first time drivers where you learn, you know, all the shit okay. you need to know for your written driver's tests and stuff? Full disclosure, it's been a few years since I wrote my written driver's test, like 25 or so. Um, it's changed, right? Like there's three different levels you have to get of licenses now. Like when I got my license, you went in and you basically filled out a multiple choice test of you come to a stop sign. What do you do? Do you screech the tires? Do you engage the handbrake? Do you turn left or do you stop? Right. And after you fill out the 10 questions, you hop in a car, drive around the block and they hand you your license and you, you just avoid all of the horses and buggies, which were very popular at the time. You know, now you actually have to study. I hear. 
So <laughs> when I wrote the test, is you're there not, more? In- you're not that much older than me. Like you would have predated the graduated license system here, but not yeah. by a long shot. Yes, by a like, long. You would time. have had a three sixty five, right? I did twice. Um, but you could, in theory, do the written test and the driven test in the same day and get your license, like at the day you turn sixteen. Yeah. I, actually, you know what? When I was when I got my license, you could still get your three sixty five at fifteen, mm-hmm. and then the day you turn sixteen, you can get your full license. But yeah, I, I remember the driver's handbook from then, and yes, the follow up manual was actually bigger than that. I I don't know if it's bigger than the current one. I would guess no. Because <laughs> there's more rules and they're a little bit more stringent about about things. There's also like four times as many cars on the road now as when I got my license. All right. So we we don't have a lot of D and D going on between now and our next couple of sessions. Like I'm gonna gonna get some some one shots organized here for the end of July, but we're gonna be recording well before then. So let's pick one game, and we'll we'll consider this retro replay kind of the the replacement for the uh, table talk segment for the time being. What sort of torture and punishment do you want to inflict upon yourself for next session? I would like to do something story based. And it would be great if we could pick something from slightly like early 2000s, I'm thinking like something that's that's like 15 or 16 years old. So okay. that how much time do you have? That's the one thing I found here is like I, I got into Fallout like in the the last two days here. I kind of made time for yeah. it. Now I'm, I'm on vacation, so I'm going to have a lot more time this time around. But I don't uh, want to. Well, I would I don't kind of like a job for us here. No, and I, like what I, I think what I would like to do is I would like to do something where we we play a little bit and then like talk about it and then play a little bit more for next week so we can compare notes. Um. But something like like Neverwinter, I never finished Neverwinter Nights, either no. the original or two, um, and I have both of them. If you want to try Neverwinter Nights, I don't know if you've. Did you finish Neverwinter Nights? Yeah, I finished both of them. Oh, okay. Um, Knights of the Old while. Republic is like the only one I ever actually finished. Um, I, here's an interesting thing: if we want to talk about about. Uh, torture and and whatnot we could play neverwinter nights but we have to choose each other's character like not not Hmm. specifics or anything but just character class Hmm. (laughs) be interesting if we could do some some uh sort of game capture too we could stream it live tune in this thursday sunday 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 totally willing to do some live streaming shit yeah, we could do that. That was the original plan. This this podcast is a dialed back version of like, oh hey, maybe we're not gonna you know have enough commitment to to do this. Let's let's talk once a a, a week or two yeah. weeks. And it's amazing that I got you to get a camera. Yeah, I'm. Well, I gave my camera away because uh, Cindy and her mom were talking every week, and they're like, "Hey, we could do this online with a camera." And so I I hooked up the webcam and. They figured out the Facebook video chat time thing, and they did it twice, which is okay. It sounds about me right. Gave me an excuse to get a 4K camera instead of just the uh, the old 720p I had. I mean, it's still a webcam, but it's pretty good. You know what we should play? Oh, I'm not sure that 
I'd have to have a conversation with my wife. Uh-oh. Because it's a game. There's games that are, are, are just ridiculous, like dating simulator games. Oh, my God, no. But you, you mentioned story. There's games that are like, they look like they should be a dating si- simulator, but they go sideways, like Doki Doki Literature Club. Have you ever watched anything about that particular uh, game? No, I think I've seen some memes. Uh, I mean, the other thing that we could do is uh, Miami Hotline. I don't know if, uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm I'm up for that kind of. Simulation. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking. I was thinking more like story plus game <laughs> as opposed to like Dragon Slayer type games. Uh, but it'd be funny. It would be funny. <laughs> Talking about it would be funny, and that's kind of where I was going. Because um, I'm not sure. You know what? Like, I, I know if I played um, Neverwinter Nights, I'm going to be like, yeah, it's a little bit clunky now. But you know what? I enjoyed it then, and I enjoy it now. I, I'm more or less, like, I was thinking about actually doing a bit of a deep dive on the story of the thing and just seeing if we're coming at it from different places or if we experience it differently. I mean, here's an interesting challenge. I mean, what if we play through as evil characters, right? And not stupid evil, but like actual evil characters. Hmm. Would it make a difference? I probably not. No, I doubt not it. Really? Yeah. I'm not sure that if I... Same linear story, you're just more snarky and edgy. (laughs) I stand in the corner and don't make friends easily. Yeah. Um, So me in real life. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I could... I've tried a couple of times to go back and play games that I enjoy, like taking all the evil choices. And it's hard. Like, I can't. I don't enjoy it. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, it's fun to watch like the videos again. Go to YouTube, sure. Like you know, watching Commander Shepard Mass Effect punch the reporter chick out for you know, whatever. Like, <laughs> it's not funny because that situation's funny. It's funny just because of the contrast and how like ludicrous it is. Yes, um, it's a subversion punch. of expectations. Yeah. yeah. Don't punch anyone if you can help yeah, it, except Nazis. Yeah. It's okay to punch Nazis. Right. We established that. All right. Uh, Miami Hotline? Really? I, I've never played it. I've never it. played I, it. Neither have I. I I've, Fuck I, it. I, Let's try it. Let's try right. it. We're going to do Miami, Miami Hotline. Um, that, I, I'll I be have... good for at least 15 minutes of that. <laughs> I don't... I Like, I know nothing about it except that there's a uh, a video on YouTube that I tune into called the Miami hotline workout mix. And I'm like, really, where did this come from? Oh, it's an actual video game. Well, that's interesting. There's, there's <laughs> two of them, I guess. I don't know. We'll find out. I have to go, go, uh, you know, cruise my yard sales to try and find a yeah. working disc. Yeah. I was going to say like, this whole thing is just going to make my gog library weird. <laughs> We need to start playing D&D games again. Yeah. Yes, we do. You guys are never I, going on hiatus ever. Well, I think I might actually start running an in-person game once we're in the new house. Okay. Well, then we're going to have table talk. Fuck it. You're going to run an in-person game. 
I am because we'll finally have space. And that was really, I mean, obviously COVID happened and then everything went online, but like we don't have space here. And if I'm running a game, I've always found it really difficult to run a game at someone else's house. Right? Mm-hmm. You have to cart so much stuff. And it's like, okay, all of my notes have to go into a bag, right? And then you get to take them out and you get to get them in the right order. And it's like, oh, no. Um, so when you run an in-person game, do you are you like full pencil and paper? Like you don't even have notes digitally? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I do. Even, I mean, when I was running Curse of Strahd, the only thing that I kept track of in uh, Roll20 was like hit points. Mm-hmm. Everything else was like I made a note of the stuff you guys talked about. Yeah, I mean, I keep most of my shit just in like Google Docs and whatnot. I don't. Yeah. I, I man, I'm not organized. Like I tried doing like this whole cue card system for some some yep. in person games that I was trying to run, and I was just like, "Oh man, my memory is good, but it's not that good." Let me try and find that card. Honestly, the only reason I do it digitally now is because I can Control F. Yeah. Yeah, you know, search for, and that's, for something. That makes so much sense when you have like a, a large body of, of stuff. I've gotten better over the years because now it's like my notes are very terse. Like mm-hmm. I literally I write down names and that's pretty much it. Like everything else is I, I mean, if I don't remember, I'm gonna make it up. You know, and if you remember, you'll correct me, and that's fine. But if you try and correct me and I remember and you're wrong, then oh boy. Um, yeah, so like, it's, it's nice to have like a screen with a couple of things. Like my notes are, are typically not, not that much anymore, but it's just, it's nice to actually roll physical dice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, and so neither of my groups play with cameras. Um, I think my Tuesday group is almost at the point where they're, they would accept that we have a couple of people on crappy internet connections yeah, and it would cause issues like getting them into foundry playing alone is a bit of a challenge sometimes. Like with that group, I don't even do a lot of like um, ambient sound or anything like that just because it, it creates some issues with them. But I, I definitely would like to, to see the people I play with. I think I mentioned it before in, in one of our conversations where like, as I was running our group, I was uh-huh. doing stuff that I thought like, oh, I hope these guys are liking it. But because I have push to talk set up in that channel, I'm not hearing any of you guys laughing. Like it's just this total flat, like, did that yep. land? Like I got, you know, it's, it's Meepo. Like how can, <laughs> how can you not find Meepo funny? This is an inside joke. And yeah. you know, like if, even if I couldn't hear you, if I could see your faces, it'd be like, oh, it, it was good. You know? I'll yeah. lean into that. Sometimes I find with the push to talk and, and I, I mean, the, 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 the benefit of push to talk outweighs the cons because yes, you know, but that's the one sacrifice I find running a game is trying to read the players, you know, and, yeah. and I try to encourage uh, you guys to, you know, hit your push to talk for the sake of laughing once in a while, just to like, Hey, Hey, I'm into this. Yeah. And just being it's- able to see that and gauge that I think would be, so much more more of a richer experience DMing. The flip side of that, though, is that you also get to see people when they're stacking their dice into the biggest tower that they can possibly get. Yeah. Right, which is the universal symbol of, yeah, it's not my turn and I'm bored. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. Like it's it's that has that has definitely dropped off. I've found as the groups that I've played with have gotten older, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And that's not a statement of like you know older people are smarter or anything. It's just like are we change right? Like the the groups that I played with have changed. The people that I used to play with who were only interested in sort of when it was their turn, I don't play with them anymore. Mm-hmm. I've found people who are like um, like Tanya was very good about this. She uh, she mentioned the other day. That like the reason that I don't respond right away is because you guys are doing stuff and I'm so into that that I've forgotten that my turn is coming up, you know. And that's that's a, a cool thing to happen at a table is like, oh, oh, right, yeah, I have to, I have to do things, yeah, uh, which is a much better thing than oh, it's it's my turn. What's happening? You know, and uh, like I've had that a few times. It's like if you don't want to be here. Don't come. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, or let's play something else. Like if it's not interesting. So, so do you have enough people locally then that play yeah. like a, a, a four people, like a group of four even? Or? Oh, oh, at least. I, yeah. I'm probably going to have to tell people they can't come. Oh. Yeah. You're I, a I lucky li- son of a bitch. I, I live in a town full of nerds. Right. Like even even people who don't play, if I propose to them like, hey, let's play this game, they'll be like, all right, I'll give it a try. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to have enough. I've actually there's a couple of people that I've I've mentioned that I might run a game and they're like, call me, call me, call me when you want to play because I'll come. I want to play. Well, I hope it works out. I've had a lot of people say that to me. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, we're going to nail down a date and I just like nobody can. Nobody can make it happen. I'm available. There's, there's enough available alternate to Tuesdays if it's a full moon. Yeah, even the online games, that was a challenge with, with our group. Like, literally, yeah. Saturday afternoons are the only day this can work. That's great. Like, nobody's ever going to make plans on a Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fortunate that play. we just got some games in. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's... And I think it'll pick up again in the fall. Like, once... Uh, once people stop going to the beach on Saturday afternoon, it'll be better. Once Chris's girlfriend starts playing, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, well, then we can play on another day at least. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't blame anybody for making plans on a Saturday. That's what Saturdays are for. And that was my worry. Scheduling games on the Saturdays was like, well, you know, Cindy's got her craft stuff that's going to come up. Tanya's family's going to want to do stuff. Shit, I may even have to work the occasional Saturday if, you know, I'm in the middle of a crunch and something's got to happen. Like, it's just, that's what Saturdays are for. (laughs) Yep. So, you can have enough room in your basement in your new place that I can move in? Uh, No. No. I had this conversation with my father as well, where we were talking about, because I mean, you know, like they're, they're getting to the age now where they're starting to make plans about what happens when. You know, and my dad jokingly said, well, I could just move in with you. And I'm like, no, hard no. Yeah. You know, like no, I love I my dad. I do. Couldn't live with him. No. no. I mean, it didn't work out really well the first time. I'm pretty sure nothing has changed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're less patient. I'm sure it'd be. I am curmudgeonly. Yeah. And not afraid to, to, to say stuff now. Yep. Yeah, you can't throw me out. It's my house, my house, my rules. You're not gonna yeah. like them. 
<laughs> yeah, you're you're my dad, but we're, we're peers now. Yeah, that's a hard thing to swallow for parents, I imagine. Yeah, it. Um, now, my family was never like super close. Like, I mean, my mom and dad split up, and and um, you know, obviously, we were kind of back and forth growing up a little bit. But like, I was out of the house at fifteen. Oh, yeah, that's I, young. I mean had a kid too right i mean that that contributed a little bit but you know it's not that like i don't talk to my mom once a week or you know once a once a month even like in person like i can't remember the last time we even had a phone call with her and it's just just the way we are you know like my sister and i like really get on well but you know it's been a while since i've spoken to her texts once in a while but you know that's that's kind of it get together on holidays and uh, I'll see you face to face next year. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I came to 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 that kind of point with my uh, my mom especially early because she was the the bully. When yeah. I say bully, I mean you know she's trying to be a parent and she's asserting herself and like past Parenting the point is where hard, it was appropriate. Yo. Oh, hey, I've I've, I've raised for now like our, our youngest is 21 <laughs> i'm You're a old. grandparent i am ancient <laughs> but there was a time where i had to call my mom some not nice names because it was the only way i was gonna get through to her it's like back the fuck off because like i was 26 i think at the time <laughs> like 27 <laughs> yeah like i've been on my my own for 12 years at this point, right? Like I've already half raised my family at this point. <laughs> what are you doing? Fuck off. I yeah. love you, mom, but no. Your advice is often not only not appropriate, but it's not welcome. Yeah. I think we didn't talk for two years after that conversation. And then she, she came around. My That's dad generally... before he passed was, was another story. He was just, weird that's i that that i've had a similar story actually i i had to um basically not talk to my parents for like two years yeah yeah and now we get along fine as long as we both realize that we're not moving in together yeah that would be uh that would be bad hey you want to get into the pod bag stuff uh ian sent some new goodies over sweet someday we'll get some email from someone else we actually did. You know what? We're going to do it. You've got mail. All right. We'll do the first question from Ian while I'm digging this up. Uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. Do you find nerds such as yourself are more content than the average person in terms of fear of missing out? Another way to phrase it, do you find nerds can make their own enjoyment slash activities better than others? Um, um yes and no yeah yes i'm in the same boat because on the one hand yes in imaginative people and stephen king covered this very well in the shining although he may not remember writing it uh where like people with a, a modicum of intelligence which is basically what most nerds are have the ability to make up their own game like for shorthand you invent calvin ball on the other hand if you look at the lineup for the latest iPhone, 
nerds feel FOMO more than anyone else. Yeah. In fact, I would go so far as to say people that fancy some themselves nerds are almost the worst. I think of things like um, early access video games that have like perks or like battle passes or like digital deluxe editions of games, uh, things like that. Um, I know there's a lot of conversation with uh, Paul, the pizza guy. Uh, about Diablo 4, he got, I think he purchased, he pre-ordered still the regular edition, but he had all his friends purchased a, like a like an upsell digital deluxe or whatever it was because they were giving people access to that like two or three days early. And they just had to do it. Yeah, people like to get into stuff early. I mean, I I uh, I bought the latest PGA Tour golf game, and I pre-ordered it because I I really wanted it, and it's when I had the money. Uh, and there was a, an option for you know you buy the super extra pass that you get in three days early, and you get to play in a specific tournament. And I'm like, you know what? This is a game that's been delayed like three times now. It's going to be full of bugs. I'm fine with pre-ordering it because it's going to release. Like it's it's done but i don't need to get it three days early and i literally haven't played it since i started actually playing golf in the real world this summer just because like and it's there specifically because i'm like i'm gonna play this game like i played uh tiger woods pga tour 1999 or 98 or whatever it was like it's, it's still like i have it for the wii and i still play it yeah so yeah, but I don't early? I won't pre-order anything. I don't mind some early access models where sure. it's like, hey, we're openly in the middle of the development process. We have a process for accepting feedback. Like you're you're part of the development and shaping and molding this game. Uh, I've mentioned Satisfactory, for instance. Uh, yep. great great game that I played in early access. It's still early access, technically. And the amount of like interaction with the community, like that almost becomes part of the game. Yep, but like these AAA studios where it's early access or you're pre-ordering or whatever, like it's just an excuse to ship a shitty game. You know, hey, we don't yeah. have to ship this on cartridges anymore, which means we can update it and maybe, if we care enough, fix some of this shit after the fact. Yeah, like even the games that I do want to play, like I don't, I don't pre-order them. I'll buy them on day one because I think that's a little bit different. I mean, I, I pre-ordered that game like three days in advance, but typically I won't pre-order stuff either. Yeah. Although I did, I did uh, pre-order EverQuest Landmark in the hopes that EverQuest Next would come out, and oh boy, was that a disappointment! Yeah, um, that was basically just a waste of money. Um, I had a very clever joke about um, sort of the nerd herd having to go towards the latest thing and the early access and upsell and. Um, what's the thing the microtransactions and and that is that like most most nerds especially online nerds are very much digital sheep yeah and that's that's a uh oh i had it in my brain the the book was i think it was philip k dick do androids dream of electronic sheep which yeah. was the basis for for um blade runner blade runner yeah yeah, which I watched an interesting thing. Thank you for turning me on to H Bomber Guy, by the way, because I'm, I've been consuming his content 
far he's faster incredibly than he's putting good. it his, out. Yeah, his, his content doesn't come out enough. But um, I mean, his research process is so deep. I mean, he probably spends more time researching a single video than we have spent making videos. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's at the point now where like he's taking on topics where it's like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to get lawyers involved. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Did you watch his um, uh, video on like anti-vaxxers and? Yes. Yeah. That's there probably was... like his 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 best video in that sort of new model, though his most recent one uh, about the, the Roblox the Roblox oof. oof. Did you get through the whole Tony? I or... did. Oh my yeah. god! I'm like oh. I recognize that guy. I've seen yeah. that Tony. guy. I've met that guy, not not that specific guy, but you yeah. know, like that archetype of Some person on TV. Yeah, yeah, everybody knows a guy like that. But oh, yeah. what a what a what a piece of work! Avalanche of just like oh my god! Talk about that story going sideways and then more sideways. It was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it was like here's a twenty minute video. It's an hour and a half long. Yep. Yeah, and even the silly stuff that he gets into, like, uh, so Tanya and I watched the the BBC Sherlock stuff, and we actually mostly enjoyed it. I, yeah, you know, it was okay. I, I wasn't a, a huge fan. Uh, Tanya, Tanya's into it, but she just likes Benedict Cumberbatch too. But, I like uh, both of those actors. Yeah, well, I really like him, but the show was not Sherlock. No, and that's the no, thing the that sh- I had a hard time getting past. Like the the whole the no. point of Sherlock Holmes and and mysteries is that like the information is presented yes. to you as the audience so that you have at least a chance of trying to figure some of it out yourself. And especially yeah. in that show, they forgot that it's like Sherlock is solving mysteries with information that only he knows. Uh, that basically, it's not it's not Sherlock. It's CSI London. Yeah. Um, anyway, he, uh, he did a good video on it. It was like three and a half hours long or something ridiculous. Yeah. I started watching it. I can't, re- I, I okay. don't think I finished that one. And Which, I definitely, like he spent an hour just talking about Dr. Who in it because it was, uh, the showrunner came from doing some Dr. Yep. Who stuff and yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of interesting information in there. And I mean, I, I trust him a lot more than I trust a lot of other sources, uh, you know, cause his face is attached to it and he's a real person. So. That's uh, that's something we were talking about the other day, and I, I realized that we're tangenting off of tangents in tangents here. But it's the name of the show. Um, we, <laughs> we were talking uh, the other day, Cindy and I, about uh, sort of news and, and whether you can trust it. And I mean, news obviously, like everything, is just a vehicle to put advertising in front of your eyeballs, right? So it's all about money. Yeah. Uh, it, but like trying to figure out when was the last time that we could actually trust the news. Every bit of news is going to have some kind of bias, but when was the last time you could you could watch the news and think, okay, this is something that happened. Like someone has presented me with some some factual account of of an occurrence, right? And I had to go back to Knowlton Nash. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I can't remember. Like even local news. Yeah. When it exists. And this isn't a, yeah, when it exists, that's a big thing. This isn't a, you know, fake news, media is bad kind of thing. Like, I get that, you know, I mean, I don't know. You could have an entire argument about whether bad news is better than no news. And I don't know where I would stand on that argument. But 
truth. If it's the truth, then yeah, bad news is better than no news. But if it's like, like my my phone, my the feed on my phone right now because because we just bought a house. We I've been looking at real estate and mortgage rates and like predictions and like trying to find experts who actually have some idea about like what's going to change and how it's going to change. And literally the articles that are going through my Google News feed right now are, oh, my God, the housing bubble is about to burst. Oh, my God, housing prices are going up because of confidence in the market. And it's literally the same publication, the same people doing exactly opposite opinions just to try and make people angry to to gather their eyeballs. Yeah. So I just don't pay attention to any of it anymore because you're all lying to me. Yeah, and I don't, man, I, I this this will get depressing. So I'm not going to dwell on it because I, I I don't know what the solution to any of that is. Um, un, unplug. Yeah. I think. La 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 la. Like, All right. Yeah. Next uh, <laughs> next question is from Alex San Filippo. Hey, I found your show on Apple Podcasts. As a fellow podcaster, I wanted to reach out to connect. How the, yeah, I'm just reading spam, just FYI. How's the show going? Is there anything I can do to be helpful or supportive? One thing that you may get value from is Podmatch. Not a sponsor. It helps you find guests to interview while monetizing your podcast at the same time. If you're not looking for guests, you can also be a guest on other podcasts. Uh, Alex, thanks for reaching send, out. Glad you love the money. show. <laughs> um, listen, I don't need guests. What we really need is listeners. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so if anybody else over at Podmatch, he's the founder, Pod Pros. Uh, if you and your crew want to like tune in and listen, cool. happy to hear from you. Yeah. You got my Hit email. The- Hit us yeah, up. Mate. Make sure and like this video. Hit the thumbs up. Ring the bell. Subscribe. Yeah, yeah, Alex. No, I mean hit us up with with more things to the pod bag. Like, you know, we're milking sure. Ian for absolutely every drop he's got. We've resorted to Chat GPT <laughs> for audience interaction, Alex. <laughs> oh, maybe my God. we're beyond help. Well, hang on a minute. Is are, are you sure that Alex isn't Tommy? well i mean he's he's uh oh wait p.s this is the best part of it small type right at the bottom p.s i am a real person sending this email and you're not on a mailing list but if you don't like hearing from me click here to let me know you think i should click that i not on your not on your computer main computer no podcast goes down Bye, everyone. (laughs) Alex, I mean, thank you for reaching out. It was great to hear from you. I'm happy that you're a fan of the show, too. Uh, You know what, though? Like, on on a positive note, we've arrived. Our podcast has started receiving spam. People think they can milk us for money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... Uh, that's the last <laughs> thing you can milk me for. Oh, all right. Back, po- back to Ian, our, our real listener. 
you know what? Actually, we, we've done fairly well. I, I'm joking about Ian being our only listener. We get dozens, dozens oh. of listens each week. Heck, let me, again, riveting content here as I type oh, things yeah. into my web browser that you can't see. Um, you know, you know what's what this is. You talked about push to talk earlier, and you know what the thing, the number one reason why push to talk is good for me is the explosion in popularity of mechanical keyboards. Because let me tell you yeah. what, those are loud. Yeah, and they don't have to be. That's the funny thing. Like people choose clicky keyboards for the clicky sake, not necessarily the tactile sake. Like. Not everything needs to sound like a Model M. I like Model M's, but not everything yep. needs to sound like a buckling spring, especially no. if it isn't a buckling spring. If you're no, going mean, to. Yeah, anyway, I mean, we I had have, 36 I, listens last week. Oh, that's pretty good. Sorry, this week. Yeah. Um, that's just I, on like the, I, uh, the I have podcast Cherry MX, MX Browns, I think, in my keyboard, which are supposedly reasonably uh, quiet, but. You can probably hear that. It's not quiet. No. You know what? I just got shitty like $12 Logitech membrane rubber dome bullshit keyboards. They work. They're they not work. great. Like I, I admit that I, part of my problem is that I, I have something that I'm kind of comfortable with at work that is just shitty, right? Like the Apple uh, Magic chiclet. Wireless keyboard things. They're chiclet style. Um, but I use that because it's easier to go back and forth between like the laptop keyboard and a real keyboard if I have to. Yes. And I've been using them for so long that, uh, I don't know. One of Ian's questions that I didn't actually ask was about keyboards, about whether we'd tried other uh, layouts like Dvorak and, and had any experience I did. I did try Dvorak once, and I, I actually physically changed all of the keys on my keyboard, and it was a Model M back in the day. And uh, I think that in theory, it's it is more efficient and effective. But oh man, trying to relearn a keyboard layout, and then yeah. the the difficulty is is that you lay out Dvorak, and you're like, okay, yeah, this this works great, and then you go to a regular keyboard and go, ah, what is this witchcraft? Yeah, it's, um, I don't know, everybody that switches, like, they're they're liars. Because they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it'll take you a couple weeks to get used to it. Bullshit, man. Like, I type faster now. And I'm not, not a great typer. Like, I probably top out with any level of accuracy. I'm not going to bust monkey type out now, but like 125 words a minute with like 95% accuracy kind of thing on a, on a membrane keyboard. Um, I could probably do better on a tactile mechanical. Every time I just use a linear mechanical, it's like the worst typing experience in my life. I'm not sure that I could ever get used to it. But I type better now than I did five years ago. I type better then than I did five years. You know, from that, it's taken me, man, like 35 years to get to where I'm at now. Like... I, I don't think that, you know, switching to a Dvorak is going to be a two-week adjustment for me. Probably Maybe it not. is for some people, you know, but for, for me, it's... It's not I, worth it, like, because you have to switch your whole life over. Yeah. Um, it, it, it would be like switching your, your vehicle over to a 24-volt battery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's better. It is better. 
but heaven forfend your car breaks down somewhere. Like everybody's going to look at it and go, I can't fix this. Yeah. Everything is wrong and broken. Well, Ian, you're getting an extra question in because that one wasn't actually on the list. Happenstance. His his other real question was uh, fictional holiday characters, the Tooth Fairy, Easter Bundy, Santa Claus, Krampus, etc. Who would win in a battle royale and why? Um, whoever the, the character is for Arbor Day, because I'm pretty sure they just stand there and wait for everyone else to kill each other. I don't know. Like, what other does Arbor Day have a character? Like, it's just I don't a tree think so, shit, right? Like, yeah, it's literally just about trees. I think I don't know. It's some American holiday. They made it up. Like, what? I, I don't know. Did do we put like the Thanksgiving turkey in there? Uh, what other holiday characters have we got? I don't know. I would. You know what? If we're willing to stray away a little bit from you know Easter Bunny, Santa Claus type stuff into like leprechaun territory. Oh, I'm going to go with the leprechauns. Yeah, for sure. Especially if we're looking at traditional leprechauns. Those those fellas are nasty. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, Santa Claus has an army. So there's a case to be made for that too, right? Like he's got his army of elves. As, yeah, as long as you... It's a slave army. Is it? And they're, they're elves. This goes back to the, the questions of like, you know, would you like to fight? a million horse size Ian's or an Ian sized horse. Like they're little elves. They're not like Tolkien elves that like, you know, could hold their own. They're, they're two feet tall. They can punt them. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It depends on what kind of gift wrap cannon they've got. <laughs> can you, can you imagine if you could gift wrap things with like an air powered gun? It just fires out like a, like one of those net gun things that the bounty hunters. Use? Oh, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and it puts the bow on top <laughs> uh, that would be awesome something. yeah maybe getting the wrapping under the, the bottom of it would be a little difficult you'd have to tumble the package send it out like glue alright engineering side channel we're doing this <laughs> oh, gift wrapping robot Oh no! I've got ideas already. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I think this channel has to make us a million dollars first, because I'm not sure I can build a robotics lab with the budget I've got right now, which is let me see, uh, twenty-seven cents and some pocket lint. I might have a paperclip to add to that. Well, Alex, Alex, better fucking deliver for us then. Yeah, no kidding, right? No Send pressure. Us a million man. viewers, yeah. Hey, listen, if we could f somehow figure out how to make all of the Russian bots on Reddit watch our channel and listen to our podcast, we'd be rich. I wonder, I was watching, um, I watched, it was a, an H-Bomber guy thing uh, from a couple of years ago about uh, advertising. And uh, it was, I think it was about like woke uh yeah, yeah. Woke advertising things on, you know, where they chat and say, oh, are you okay? And all that stuff. Yeah. Um, which on the one hand, I, there's two things there. The one thing that I think he sort of, he sort of alluded to, but didn't, didn't really go into was the idea that somehow we have trained the corporate people to figure out how to market things by being nice to people. And I'm like, regardless of the outcome, that's a win. Um, 
But on the flip side of that, is the next revolution in marketing marketing to bots? Because I mean, like, how much how much credit do we give bots for doing stuff, right? And oh, in the AI revolution. So how do you advertise to an AI? Do you, do you actually do it with facts? Well, I don't know. Like it's certainly you would need to. It'd be topic choice, right? Like you'd you'd obviously have to have discussion and and like you know go back to like early net keyword stuffing kind of approach to seo just to attract them now hey we would have to have a social presence so here's the big problem we're never going to be a millionaire because like aside from publishing this shit we don't do anything we don't have any <laughs> socials i i put like some shorts together occasionally but like i only put them in youtube shorts i could be throwing that shit as like like facebook whatever the hell they call them Reels? Is that what Facebook is? I could go on TikTok with it. Like, if I wanted to turn it into a job, I'm sure we yeah. could have 40 listeners next week instead of, <laughs> instead of 30. <laughs> oh, my God. We'd be rolling in cash. Uh, we'd have big stacks. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> Alex, he'd email me twice. <laughs> Alex and all of his friends. It'd be great. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we if we put stuff on TikTok. Do I have to do some sort of a dance? I've heard that's what TikTok is about. Oh no 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 no! See, it's it's it's. I mean, if you're doing TikTok right, yes. If you want to be successful on TikTok, yes. But that's not the question you asked. You just wanted to put stuff on TikTok. So the secret uh. is record this big long thing, and then like microtransactions and like locked content DLC and video games. Just like chunk it out and sell that. Like I'll just take this one minute stretch from something we've already recorded and you could watch and just push it there. But hey, it's portrait mode now. Oh. So it's engaging. Yeah, we, could put, we could put blurry bars down the side to make it look like it's like full size video, but it's portrait mode cell phone. <laughs> here's here's how much we've put into to this. Have you actually watched any of the content on our YouTube channel yourself since we started doing this? Yes, I did watch most of episode one. Um, I watched a little bit of the last episode that we put out. I find it really difficult to listen to myself talk, right? Because I hear my voice back and I'm like, is that what I sound like? That's not right. Okay, so funny story that we have to touch on then. So you were sending messages back and forth for me the last couple of days where I was like, is he having a stroke or is he drunk? <laughs> or both. Or both. The one thing you asked that we were cutting those new sort of little stingers for a couple of these segments. And you're like, can you do the Audi 5000 thing from Reality Bites? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I put it in. And the impression that I got from your messages was like, it's like, I want this thing. Okay, here it is. Is that the thing that I asked for? Or is that me? Did you think that was you? <laughs> I did. I literally thought that the Audi, because I know that I've mentioned the Audi 5000 thing uh, on one of the previous episodes. And I'm like, did you go searching through all of our stuff to find like a, a chunk of my audio that said Audi 5000? No. I, and I like to me, that guy sounds like me. <laughs> so does he sound like you recorded or does he sound like how you think you should sound recorded 
No, he said to my ears, he sounds like me when I listen to my voice being re- like played back. Okay. Cause there's a difference, right? Like, Oh, absolutely. I listen to people that sound like I sound in my own head and I'm like, Oh, I kind of sound like that guy. And then when I listen to myself recorded, I'm like, who the fuck is this alien? And like, he needs to <laughs> take the shit out of his mouth. This guy doesn't know how to talk. <laughs> no. I'm like I'm English is a sub- second language. At least I speak two language, me English and bad English. Um I I listen to my voice back actually and it's deeper than I think it is. Like in my head, my voice is quite squeaky. Yeah. And then and then I listen to some of this stuff and I'm like, wow, that's that's way deeper than I thought I was. Yeah, mine's different. It's uh I mean, I've been told I have a smooth voice, which I don't get, but in my head, it sounds reasonably smooth unless I'm intentionally sort of raising my volume. But when I hear myself recorded, to me, it just sounds like I've, like I'm talking while I'm eating, like I've got food (laughs) or like marbles in my mouth or something. I'll give you an offer you can't refuse. Yeah. Like it's just like I'm chewing my words and it does not sound like that in my head at all. No, and it never does. It's, yeah. Listening to yourself recorded back is very weird. Oh, speaking of, um, I, I did actually, speaking of, uh, like, not, not advertising this anywhere, I did tell a few friends about it. Um, and I sent a link to them. And uh, the one guy's like, okay, well, you know, like, I'll, I'll log on and, and subscribe and maybe, you know, listen to some of it back and forth. And then he looked at the videos and said, holy shit, these are two and a half hours long. <laughs> Uh, yeah maybe send them the link to the website or one of the podcast feeds or something at least you can listen to that in your car yeah Uh, i don't know i mean like yeah the amount of effort put in and like i have to i have to give you props because you've i mean you've done like like little little sound bite things and and stingers and and music and mixing and all kinds of stuff and you've done the editing and you you know figured out the video and audio solutions the only semi-professional part of what we do (laughs) Yeah, and I like my my contribution is largely to show up. <laughs> hey, that's the important part, honestly. I do yeah. that stuff just because it's the kind of shit that like I'm into. Not that I'm good at it, just I'm curious. And and when I get on a roll, it's like, hey, that's all right. That turned yeah. out better than I thought it would. And so far, I've uh, been speaking super of which, I'm going to roll another one of the uh, the the new little segments. Uh, getting into, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Anybody want a peanut? I love the that took me like reference. Took me that well. <laughs> so here's my process. First of all, I'm not recording the music. I'm finding some like Creative Commons stuff, some open license stuff. So it's legit stuff that we're able to use. And I originally uh, thinking about Ian had some lines from Hackers from the the Plague character. Uh, so this is, uh, I'm calling it Parting Gifts. Now, there's another podcast that I listen to that calls something similar Parting Gifts, so I'm totally ripping it off. Uh, anybody that listens to the DLC podcast, listen, I'm just not that original. If I can find a better name, I will. The idea here is that we've spent some time on previous episodes making some recommendations. More to each other than to the audience, like you know, H. Bomber Guy, for instance. You're yeah. digging his stuff. You've never heard of him until I talked about it, probably. And 
same, you know, a lot of what's in my YouTube feed now is stuff that's come from you. And I just figured we'd do it anyway, so we might as well make it official. Sure. But, uh, you know, I'm mashing stuff together. And part of the challenge with that, I wanted to get that Princess Bride reference in because I thought about it and I'm like, it's perfect. But then I was trying to find something that rhymed with it that I could fit in earlier that was um, appropriate. So, like, there was this, the uh, Star Wars uh, Palpatine slash Sidious talking to... Uh, Anakin, I believe, about, you know, how together they can, you know, find the secrets or, or whatever. It's a long line, but I couldn't fit it in, in a way that like no. did enough of the quote and still get the rhyming anybody want to peanut it afterwards. So I spent <laughs> like two hours just being like, okay, nerdy quotes that have a word that rhymes with peanut at the end of it oh. or close to peanut, but still sort of conceptually fit with like, hey, we're, we're sharing we're doing shout outs. We're, we're recommending things here or we're winding down the show here. Couldn't do it. Nope. So you get Morpheus does not rhyme with peanut, a big waste, uh, but you do get some physic in there. I mean, if you could in some way, put the word orange in there, um, there was, there's a tweet that keeps showing up in my Reddit feed and it's, it's like a couple of different things that are in the same vein. And it's basically like, you know, there are no words that rhyme with orange. And then someone will respond with, I don't know, like sporange or like geographic. It's like close, but no. Right. Um, You know, there's no words that begin and end with O. And the answer to it was literally orange. (laughs) Like that, that doesn't, I don't know about your alphabet, but that doesn't, no. Play more Scrabble, dudes. Or something, anyway. I just, I would I would love to, you know, what rhymes with peanut? Orange. Why not? Mm. All right. So, parting <laughs> gifts. We're doing shout outs and recommendations. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything you would like to shout out? Oh, man. I think, like, we've done it through the, the course of the, the show so far. Um, now, this doesn't have to be necessarily a channel, like a YouTube channel or a content creator. It could be some music you're listening to, a movie you just watched, a new game you're playing, a specific episode or a video of a creator, whatever. Like it's just Yeah, it's just stuff. Know? Yeah, and of course, like as soon as you say that, like my mind goes blank. I'm sure there's a hundred things. Um, I was thinking earlier, because we were doing uh, old games, and there's uh, there's a couple of Amiga games that I used to play back in the day that I really enjoyed. One of them is called Projectile, but I always called it Eldritch Cats um, because that's what's stuck in my brain because it was pu- either made by or published by Eldritch the Cat um, in like 1990. And one of the, it's a, it's basically soccer. It's, um, uh, what's the game that we like to play with the cars and the soccer ball? Uh, Rocket League. Rocket League, which I would definitely recommend. It's a very early kind of Rocket League type of thing, but it is isometric. One of the teams on it is called uh, El- the Eldritch Cats, and it's literally cats sitting on a like a floating disc, and they they you control them to float around and kick a ball into a goal. Um, yeah, so that's definitely something that I would suggest trying if you can get your hands on an Amiga 500 and, and uh, the 
projectile disc from Eldritch the Cat. <laughs> Doesn't you get know, any more niche than that, right? Yeah, or, you know, some other way of playing the game, which I would have no idea about how to do legally. <laughs> All right. So my recommendation is something that I've been into for years now. And I can't believe I haven't actually spoken about it with you. Uh, it's called uh, Yellow's Marble Runs. Uh, it's a YouTube channel. Uh, some people kind of stumbled across it. John Oliver in last week tonight covered it like at the beginning of the pandemic when people were looking for stuff to do and sports were shut down. But the, the high level TLDR is it's sports leagues, like a full almost sporting event presentation with marbles. Whether it's racing, uh, they do like they're just wrapping up their current um, Marbula One season. Just marbles <laughs> racing around different tracks. And uh, they do oh, like the, almost brilliant. like an Olympics thing. Like the production value is phenomenal on it. And the best part is they play it absolutely straight. Like oh. create backstories. There's all of these teams. They create dramas. They've got an announcer that, you know, announces it like a professional announcer. And it's just attracted like the best people on the internet, I think, which is what I like about it. Like it's so wholesome. The content itself is just, it's amazing. And it gives me such hope because like, you know, I always say you can make anything and you can find an audience. And like, here's, you know, marbles running around like Hot Wheels tracks and stuff, right? And like wow. the production value is increased with their success. But, you know, the, the, the basic premise of it hasn't. And people, you know, we talk about tribalism in some of our episodes, like sports teams and, and fanaticism yep. and stuff people never cross the line in the community watching like this. Like you get people that are embracing teams. Like I've got two teams, uh, marble teams that I'm into depending on the events, the O Rangers, just orange marbles and crazy cat's eyes, which are just like the old school marbles that, you know, mm -hmm. but like you, you look at the, the fan engagement and the comments for these, these videos and like, the fans are into it as much as the people that create the content. And it is hilarious just how straight they play it. Like, you know, they'll talk about things that happen in a race. Like, you know, a marble's been injured, it falls <laughs> off the track and then they'll stop the race and they'll, they'll play out this situation where, you know, like, you know, the safety crews are going in and then it turns into this little <laughs> sort of stop motion thing while they play out this thing that can't be run in real time. And then they'll resume the race and then, you know, they just play up the kind of things that you'd run into in racing, like, you know, racer history and, and um, you know, success. And like, you know, they're, they're, it's team sports where they have like two, two teams on a race. So they'll be talking about like the coaches of teams making weird decisions and sub substituting different marbles in and, you know, try and create this like innocent sense of like parody drama. And it's mm -hmm. just marbles running around a plastic racetrack or, or they create, they're almost like Rube Goldberg style kind of engineering stuff for the, the track meets where they create all of these, these different events for it, whether it's things mimicking high jump or, or like dive through water or like all sorts of weird sort of physics-y type things, like the kind of shit that you would have created in like a high school physics class. Marble oh, roller coasters. It is so great. If you haven't watched it, they have a decent sized following. So these aren't people that are hard up for viewership, but 
Yeah. If but. you can make the time in your day, uh, don't watch one of the qualifying races first uh, for the, the racing ones, just because they're a little bit slower. But um, watch anything else, and I promise you, you won't regret it. It that just makes just you feel sounds good. Sounds awesome. Yeah. The yeah. idea, the, the lack of, of wholesome content that's available in the world makes that just sound amazing. Yeah. It yeah. really, really actually, is. There's some other other like creators out there doing similar stuff, and I, I don't want to say they're ripping these guys off because like there's a few of them that have been around for a while doing it. I don't well, know really who was sort of the original Marvel thing, but this is the one that I was uh, introduced to first. But imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Like if you see somebody doing something, you're like, I want to do that, and you go and do it. Like I I think that that ought to be okay. Like yeah. the reason that I wanted to do this was because I started watching red letter media. Like before I saw those guys, I had no idea that you could just talk about stuff and it was, you know, yeah. s somebody might watch. Um, however, you talking about that has actually, uh, and, and I have recommended this channel to you uh, previously. There's a guy called Seth Skorkowski. I've, I've sent you a couple of his, uh, his videos mm -hmm. and he's, he's got some interesting, he he does this little bit where he does like uh, sort of role playing reenactment type stuff. Uh, he'll do he has some like advice things like how to create a character and some of his some of his advice on things like uh, how to play an evil character or how to create a, a character backstory are are interesting and valuable. But the thing that hooked me into his channel is that it's just him. And he will he will sort of cut from him behind a dungeon master screen saying a thing as himself to himself playing one of his players with a paper mustache on and then himself with like a paper sort of uh, goatee soul patch thing on to himself wearing like a Ramones t-shirt, I think it is, uh, doing a bad impression of Keanu Reeves. And it literally took me two videos before I realized those are all him, <laughs> right? Because yeah. he will say, like, he he sort of addresses it in one video where he's like, you know, these are these are all me, and it's just when I'm trying to play a character, I I just sort of picture an actor, and then I do a bad impression, and it like it it works out. There's another D and D channel that I watch. Now we're only really supposed to be doing one shout out here, but you know, whatever. Get over <laughs> it. You're you're getting more good content thrown at you. Watch it, pleb. <laughs> <laughs> um, XP to level three uh, is another D&D &D channel um, and he does something similar and it's funny because it went like in a in a weird direction uh, he created this this D&D &D sort of caricature player and he was just calling it Giga Chad <laughs> and you know you tend to think of like Giga Chad as, as like the negative thing yep. and he turned it into like the best D, D player to ever have at a table you know he's just he's sort of flipped the idea of giga chat on its head and <laughs> you know he tackling things like players reacting to character death or or challenging encounters or, or things going sideways or whatever and and it's just it's funny um uh, he and his wife just recently had a baby, so they haven't been putting out as much of that kind of content in the past year or so as, as they used to, but uh, mm -hmm. still worth a watch if you're into 
they run regular D&D streams too, but if you're into just sort of basic kind of D&D, absorbing it as content kind of thing, I recommend it as well. Well, we we managed to exceed our quota of parting gifts. We did. We did. Well, I think that's going to be it for the show, man, unless you have anything else you want to jam down the throats of our loyal viewership. Uh, you mean Ian? Hi, Ian. Yeah, um, Ian and Alex. It was Alex, right? And, and, and yeah, or Tommy or whatever. Yeah. Whatever the, whatever the bots call the, themselves. The totally real guy sending this email. <laughs> I'm a human. If you listen, if you are a real human and you want to send us an email, then you put in the keyword boobies and we'll, we'll pay attention. Um, I don't think there's an, I, I think we did pretty well for having basically not much of a topic today. No, we did not have a main topic at all. Unless you want to visit the, uh, what was the idiotic thing you said uh, the other day? Pogos being steak Wellington or something? Beef Wellington? Pogos, Pogos are basically beef Wellington. I mean, you're not going to change them. It's meat inside of some kind of a blanket. I mean, it's technically a pig in a blanket, which is also beef Wellington. But it's supposed to <laughs> specifically be a pastry, isn't it, Aunt? Well, this is where you get into the argument of, like, what is pastry? Nope, we're not having that argument. Thanks, man. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs>